Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the crypto hipster, bringing you the crypto corner, where I interview founders, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, uh, executives, artists, musicians, you name it, crypto and blockchain globally. And today I have an amazing guest. I'm very excited about this interview because it covers a topic that I haven't really brought to you guys um, and that I've wanted to all year um and uh he is the uh chief business officer and the co-founder of delta exchange welcome jatender tokas welcome hi jamil great to be on your show great to have you here today so uh awesome so let's kick things off and ask you first what is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now and I would think so. Um, I studied engineering, but uh, most of my career has been in finance. I started out with uh, GIC in Singapore, GIC being the sovereign wealth fund of Singapore government. I worked there for about uh, three years. Then I moved back to India, where I joined City. I was a stock analyst. Uh, for about five years and uh, so um, you know for me it was a logical transition uh, into crypto from a finance side of things and uh, currently we are working on a derivatives exchange so whatever i learned in the past i have been able to apply that uh, in the context of crypto And the Delta Exchange is located in India, or you're in the Caribbean, or where you're in India, but the company in India. Right. Yeah. So um, our team is um, in India, um, but the exchange is legally situated in the Caribbeans, in the Saint Vincent and the Grenadines. Great. So. Uh, could you tell us what you know the Delta Exchange? Um, what you guys do, like how it works, everything. You're an options and derivative exchange. How does that all? How does that all work? Um, so we offer a wide range of derivative products where the underlying are uh, cryptocurrencies. We have futures, perpetual swaps, and uh, options on cryptocurrencies. If we talk about uh, futures and perpetual swaps, we offer them on, I think, over 100 coins, probably uh, closer to 150. And uh, we offer options on Bitcoin, ETH, and a bunch of other buzzy altcoins such as Solana, uh, Matic, uh, AVAX. Now, um, our options offering is more recent. Um, I think uh, we started to work on it uh, maybe a year ago, and it has matured over the last few months. 
And uh, now we are seeing uh, amazing uh, traction and interest from traders for our options offering. And uh, it is unique in several ways. Uh, so um, all the other uh, crypto exchanges that offer options, their options are settled in the underlying coin itself. This means that if you are trading BTC options, they would settle in BTC. If you are trading ETH options, they would settle in ETH. And that makes it difficult for traders because you have to keep your balances in all these different uh, cryptos. In our case, all our options uh, are settled in USDT. Secondly, we offer options on more underlyings than anyone else. Like we are the only exchange that offers options on say, Solana. Um, and uh, the third thing is uh, we are about to launch portfolio margining. Portfolio margining is available on other crypto exchanges, but uh, you know the hurdle to access portfolio margin is much higher. Uh, so you need to have like a minimum account balance. Sometimes it's as high as one BTC to be able to access portfolio margining. In our case, uh, we are going to keep the hurdle to like a bare minimum. Let's say if you have thousand USDT in your account, you will be able to access portfolio margining, and that's going to be a game changer for smaller retail traders because now they will have uh, access to the kind of capital efficiency which you know can you know unlock a lot of trading opportunities for them uh, so i'm really excited about that you know this feature uh, we um, you know we are uh, we are recording on 28 january and i i believe that this feature should go live by in first week of february um, and um, I would also like to, you know, um, highlight that, uh, you know, we have launched our options offering only recently, and we are already the number two player globally, uh, next only to Derivit. You know, uh, other uh, exchanges uh, have had options offering, and somehow, you know, they have stagnated and not seen any traction in their options product, you know. Uh, for us, um, you know, it has been a huge success, and so we are, you know, I'm really excited about our options product, and I'm uh, I'm quite optimistic and confident that uh, this year uh, we will see, I believe, you know, 10 to 50x growth in our options trading volume. That's great. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, so you mentioned you're only second, you're second to, to Derabit, right? Um, how do how do you um, are able to are you able to get the mass amount of volume because you're using Tether and you're avoiding, you know, the ETH fees and whatever else fees that they're involved that 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 is um, not a big challenge for you to overcome. How how does how do you keep those fees low? Uh, with the with the massive amounts of trading that you do, our options uh, volume growth is like uh, it's not only driven by uh, 
keeping the settlement currency in USDT. I think the primary differentiation that we have brought to the market is we have made it easy and accessible for retail traders to trade crypto options. So Deribit is largely an institutional player focused exchange. And if you look at their UI and the way their app is designed, it's not uh, not uh, super friendly for uh, retail traders. And uh, what we have been able to do is um, by you know designing a product in a way which is intuitive for uh, retail traders by you know targeting uh, a marketing campaign uh, for th those kind of audience, we have been able to bring new crypto options traders to the market. So I would say that um, you know we are growing by growing the market. I do not believe that we are growing by taking market share away from Derivit and the other exchanges that offer uh, crypto options. And this is what it, it makes like, so much more exciting for us. So in a way, we are not really competing with Derivit. You know, we are sort of uh, right now in a, um, like a blue ocean space where uh, all we have to do is just you know create awareness among these you know traders who are familiar with uh, options trading but have not traded crypto before or have not traded crypto options before got it that makes a lot of sense to me so uh, i'm in the us what we have right now is we have an attempt at regulation to that is friendly to institutions but not really helping retail, right? So you have a blue ocean there where you're helping retail. Um, so I'm gonna ask you what what lessons can what lessons can my country and the Western world take take from India and <laughs> take from what you're doing um, to help retail? I don't know how to answer this question. Uh, see, uh, if you look at options trading globally, you know. In the last few years, there has been a surge in uh, retail volumes in options trading, and I'm talking about you know, uh, you know traditional stock market. Uh, it's the same in India. It's the same in the U.S. And um, I think uh, there are maybe various factors at play. Uh, for instance, in India, uh, the unlock in options trading came after. The dominant exchange here, which is NSP, started offering portfolio margining. It's something which we, like I said, we are doing next week. So you know, hopefully, we will see similar sort of growth unlock for us. And uh, if you look at the US, maybe uh, you know companies like Robinhood have played a part where they made it really easy for retail traders to access options. Um, so. Uh, I believe that uh, uh, you have to give traders the right set of tools to be able to uh, make uh, sound decisions for themselves. Uh, you cannot assume that uh, people do not understand these instruments or they are not uh, capable of assessing the risk reward and making uh, good trading decisions. Uh, 
but you cannot be overprotective uh, when it comes to regulation. You cannot assume that people are not smart enough to be able to, you know, make uh, good trading decisions uh, for themselves. I agree with you, hundred percent. So, um, and let's talk about those trading decisions and those tools because in May and June of this year, you know, a lot of people were liquidated um, because they were trading at hundred at hundred X on Binance and other exchanges. Um, what? Um, how, how did that end up working for your clients and what is, why should, you know, have you seen those hundred X trades right now? Um, and the recent pullback, what, what's this, what's the status of the trading industry with that hundred X? That hundred X leverage is offered, uh, is available on many exchanges, including our exchange. However, uh, that is not what the average trader uses. Um, and, you know, from the data that I have, you know, gathered from various sources, or like public sources, um, on other exchanges to the average leverage uh, for a trade, you know, tends to be between, you know, five and 10. On Delta exchange as well, uh, the average leverage used by a trader is about 7x so there are people who use 100x and people who are using 100x clearly do not make uh, good returns over a long enough horizon but that does not mean this is the behavior of an average trader now whenever there are sharp market moves liquidations happen but you have to Understand that liquidations can happen even if you are at a lower leverage. Maybe you have been holding a position for a long time and it has been in losses. And the second thing is that you cannot also assume that uh, liquidations happen only for retail traders. Like there are instances when in these big moves, over leveraged funds uh, have gotten wiped out. And we see that behavior even in uh, traditional markets where, you know, the mortality rate of hedge funds tend to be really high because they take risky bets. So this notion that only retail uh, do uh, take risky behavior and they end up losing all their money is not correct. Risky behavior happens across the board. and. B, I think you have to look at the average trader rather than, you know, the sort of maybe the tail end of the spectrum where uh, people are using high leverage and doing extremely risky stuff. Now on Delta Exchange, so what we do is, you know, we uh, try to educate traders about the risk of leverage. We provide them tools such as bracket orders. So you, you can place your target, uh, uh, take profit orders and stop loss orders along with the, uh, the order you are placing itself. So even before you take a position, you can place a take profit order and stop loss order with it. So uh, these tools uh, help uh, traders uh, sort of manage their risk. 
and i would also like to add another angle to this that uh, you know um, it is good business for us to help our traders trade profitably make money we succeed when our customers succeed and if a trader comes to our platform you know indulges in really risky high leverage trading ends up losing all his capital it is quite unlikely that we will be able to you know get that customer back or it's quite unlikely that he would he would bring more capital and continue to trade so it's good business for us to make sure uh, traders uh, you know make good decisions manage their risk better and you know that sort of increases the value of them as customers to us that makes a lot of sense um i'm not a, i'm not a chartist by only looking at charts um there are a lot of youtube shows on people showing you a, a chart history trends and saying that direction is this so the coin might go up it might go down it might go sideways they have no idea really um so that comes down to educating your your, your users um and your traders what mix of um technical or chartist versus fundamental um do you help people understand see that's a tough question i don't know the mix and uh, see personally i am not a chartist either like i mentioned before i was a stock analyst so my training is grounded into uh, in fundamental analysis now the thing is uh, in case of you know foreign currency trading there are, there are some macro factors but most of the analysis is just this chart based technical analysis in the case of crypto it becomes even more you know technical analysis driven because it is really difficult to identify fundamental reasons to justify price moves or to come up with price targets now um, even though i do not really subscribe to the view that technical analysis has a lot of value but i can see how it can be used to trade because if everyone is watching a level and everyone has a view on or some trade around that level then that level becomes important right it's, it's sort of like a self fulfilling prophecy um so uh, most people in crypto i think use technical analysis because of lack of other alternative data to base your analysis on um in what do our customers do i would think that they sort of are uh, in the same league as the rest of the market you know um following technical analysis uh, maybe you know there is some event based trading you can do uh, but uh, that's about it um i recently took a lot of a lot of heat on twitter for um a, a level that i look at i look at i look at the shiba 
a new level of 0. 0.00002. And despite all the pullbacks, it hasn't fallen under that level. So I use that to assess the health of the market. I don't know if it's good or not, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> so, um, but, but you have, um, you know, I've heard people say bad things about, about a lot of exchanges. I've not heard one bad thing about yours. Um, you know, so my question is this, how, how does the role of integrity and ethics play a role, you know, um, especially when you're dealing with options, like what's your, like, how do you build that into your platform and, and how important is that to you? I think it's super important for a variety of reasons. We are dealing with people's money. We are a centralized exchange. So we have to keep people's money in our custody. And second, uh, when trading happens, you know, there's a lot of money at stake. So any small errors could have, you know, large, uh, you know, significant financial consequences for us, for our customers. Um, so it's, uh, I think in any business, it's really important to, uh, you know, treat your customers right to, um, you know, follow a certain uh, moral code or ethics. But in the business of money or businesses related to money, this becomes like paramount. Uh, we started uh, Delta Exchange uh, in August 2018. And initially, you know, people would come to our Telegram channel. You know, we have a troll box on our website where you could you know, chat with each other or chat with customer support. And oh, is Delta a fraud? Is Delta a scam? You know, these kind of questions were, you know, asked quite frequently. And it has taken us lot of time, consistency, and, you know, treating our customers right to um, reach a stage where these questions have become, I think I would say, practically non-existent. Um, so I would say that uh, there is no easy way, there are, there are no quick solutions to this. You know, um, you can, uh, you know, find or uh, create uh, signals about your um, you know about your company maybe based on which are the investors who have backed you or <clears throat> how much capital you have or which are the traders which are using your exchange and saying that publicly but ultimately uh, it really boils down to treating your customers right every time. And that's what we do. You know, uh, as a startup, uh, you know, as a company, uh, which is now fairly mature, but, you know, we have also had a similar journey of evolution that most startups go through. We have made tons of mistakes. Uh, and, you know, there are times when things go wrong. But what we do not do is that we, do not sort of 
we do not refuse to accept that we have made a mistake when we make a mistake we own it we apologize to the customers if we have to compensate the customer for any losses that might have happened because of our mistake and we make things right and this is what we do every time and i believe this is what has served us well this is what has um, sort of improved or you know provided us a really strong reputation in the market that's why i haven't heard a bad thing that's great so um yeah son this is exciting to me uh awesome so i i wanted to shift gears a little bit um on our conversation and um because i haven't had too many guests um from india um but you know a few years ago india was really like people didn't know this but it was really a hotbed for for crypto a lot of a lot of fighting between the government and the people and you know kind of like you know where the us seems to be headed right now um i wanted to get your take on what the environment is like now because a lot of people think you know like, oh there's a lot of people in india so crypto can be popular it's it's hasn't been a a, a rosy path right uh what is it like now so uh you know just when we were starting out and you know we were in the process of setting up our company you know back in 2018 uh, that's when uh, our central bank came up with a uh, regulation saying uh, no financial entity could deal with a company that is working in the crypto space and that was a major setback and uh, you know that decision was overturned by the supreme court later i think much later maybe like i don't know after like one and a half two years um and since then uh you know even though crypto is not regulated in india uh, there is at least some clarity however uh, the government is in the process of introducing a law to regulate crypto they keep on scheduling that crypto regulation bill in the sessions of the parliament but uh, so far it has not been presented uh, the new session the next session of parliament is about to start uh, it will start from next month so let's see what happens to that bill so that's from the regulatory side now what has happened on the adoption side there two or three companies exchanges in india have gotten massive funding and they have gone on a uh, you know massive mass media spending spree where they you know advertise their services on tv and during cricket matches in you know print media so the number of users or i would say the owners of cryptocurrencies you know that has grown dramatically um i have seen different numbers quoted in media you know it could be as high as you know 10 20 million people who own you know some amount of crypto 
So crypto adoption has really increased quite a lot. If you would look at in terms look at it in terms of percentage of population, these numbers are going to be insignificant. But that's the case uh, for most things in India because you know you could argue it's they're like three four countries within one country. You know if you sort of uh, segment people by affluence, their level of education, where they stay, etc. Now, looking at the other aspect of crypto adoption, um, India has a lot of software developers, and uh, they are interested in crypto. Some really exciting startups are coming out of India, and the RBI, the central bank decision to you know ban crypto back in 2018, that had you know dissuaded the developer community from you know engaging with uh, the crypto ecosystem that's changing now quite a bit and um, you know in my network i keep on seeing people you know starting up in crypto or working with uh, uh, crypto firms based out of india so I would say that from both perspectives, adoption by people who either own or trade crypto, and uh, you know, from the developer uh, developer community, uh, the crypto adoption in India has grown significantly in the last say one to two years. And just to share an interesting tidbit with you, um, last year I think last year yes. Uh, sometime during the last year, the income tax department in India came up with a circular or a regulation that all listed all listed or private companies in India have to declare in their financial statements any crypto holdings or any gains made by crypto trading. Now, this sort of tells you that there must be a lot of Indian corporates. Uh, who are either holding crypto in their treasuries or who are actively trading crypto. Now, you know, this is something which has not really made the headlines, but you know, it's, it's an interesting parallel, just like, you know, we are seeing in the US, uh, corporate treasuries are buying crypto, you know, for instance, Tesla, um, same thing is happening in India, probably a little bit under the radar, but, uh, it's telling that the income tax uh, department, uh, you know, asked for asked specifically for this data, uh, so the activity must be significant. Yeah, and also, a lot of U.S. corporations outsource their technology development to India, and they too might be under the radar. Crypto companies who have outsourced their development to Indian developers. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm saying U.S. corporations do that. Yeah. At least we did that when I was at AIG. So um, maybe a lot of these corporations are involved in crypto in some way, and they're just not letting the public know. Something to think about. Probably. Um, yes. Interesting. So, um, 
I want to thank you for your time today. This has been an amazing conversation. I enjoyed learning more about the Delta Exchange. Like I said, um, everybody I've seen talk about it said positive things. So I have one last question, and it's this. How can people find out more information about you, about what you do? How can they start to, to trade on Delta Exchange? How can they do any of that? So um, we have presence on all social media channels. Our website is www.delta.exchange. Unfortunately, we cannot accept U.S. residents, but we serve pretty much the rest of the globe with a few exceptions. I am personally uh, available on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Tweet of the Tokus. Uh, not hugely active, but my DMs are open. Feel free to reach out to me. I'll be happy to engage with anyone. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, man. It was great talking to you. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.